2: We would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing that wonderful piece of music you just heard. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts. I am Alistair Cross, and I am here with my co-host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Before we introduce tonight's guest, here's Tamara to tell you very briefly a little bit about our latest work.
0: Yeah, we actually have two solos out instead of a collaboration. Uh, mine is called Brimstone. It's a coming of age story set in 1968. The music's great. Uh, the Brimstone Grand Hotel, owned by reclusive former movie star Delilah Devine, looms high on Hospital Hill, harboring long buried family secrets that whisper of unimaginable horrors, horrors that will echo down through generations. Within the walls of the brimstone ground, the past has come back to life, and Holly Tremaine and her grandmother Delilah are faced with an ancient familial evil that rages just below the old hotel's serene facade, an evil that won't rest until it possesses Holly, body, mind, and soul. And Alistair's new solo is The Silver Dagger. It's the second book in the Vampires of Crimson Cove* series, and it picks up where the first one, the Crimson Corset, leaves off, Life in Crimson Cove has been good to the Coulter brothers since Gretchen Van Treese was staked and her horde of vampires scattered. But when she rises from the grave, the brothers are torn apart, their lives and the peace between them shattered. Meanwhile, a serial killer is stalking the little mountain town, leaving a trail of blood that leads to a truth Sheriff Ethan Hunter doesn't want to face. The streets are no longer safe, nor are the forested paths. For a new and unknowable evil has come to Crimson Cove, and everyone, vampire and human alike, must come together in order to survive. Alistair.
2: Alright, uh, and the first book in that series, again, is called The Crimson Corset, and that is available at Amazon.com, and if you are a fan of the series, or a fan of vampires in general, you might also want to check out its companion novel, Darling Girls, which is a Thorne and Cross collaboration that features the vampires not only of Crimson Cove, but of Tamara's uh, Candle Bay. Uh, Also, our latest installment uh, of the serial novel Ravencrest Exorcism is available now. Be sure and check that out. Uh, Again, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, which are alistaircross.com and tamarathorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com. Or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarathorn. Uh, You can visit us on Facebook at Haunted Nights, on our Haunted Nights Live page. Uh, For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And tonight, we are talking to Michael Rutger. Uh, Excited to have him. He is an acclaimed short story writer Whose work has been optioned by major Hollywood studios Uh, Michael lives in California with his wife, son, and two cats Uh, His new book is called The Possession It's the second book in a new series, The Anomaly Files The first book in that series is called The Anomaly All right. without further ado, welcome to the show, Michael How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, thank you Thanks for having me You bet
2: I'm Yeah, absolutely, absolutely um yeah thank you for being on we uh, y- uh we we we're excited to have you we there's there's a lot to talk about but i guess first of all let's um okay the possession this is book two in the anomaly files which is a series so um could you tell us a little bit about the the, the series what's what, what is it about what's it what's going on yeah, I mean,
1: I I've written under you know a few names in the past. I mean, they, probably in horror, that the the main name I've written under is Michael Marshall Smith, and that's what I've done sort of most of the short stories on. And I've also written as Michael Marshall more a kind of thriller and supernatural sort of thing. But something I've always been fascinated by since I was a kid was anomalous, unexplained mysteries, that kind of thing. And I I just never really found a, a way into to dealing with that stuff in fiction. And then. Uh, was it last year? I I had the idea of this this guy called Nolan Moore, who's basically a kind of somewhat of a charlatan, slightly a scuffler, but he's got himself a sort of YouTube show um, with a with a full crew and director, and they go out and they they basically you know investigate anomalous mysteries, most of which he kind of doesn't particularly believe in, but it, you know what, what what's what's interesting to him is the idea that there are these sort of strange little things about human history and human nature and. How revealing they can be about about us as humans, and so in the first book, The anomaly, they go to um, investigate an alleged hidden cave in the Grand Canyon, which no one is more surprised than Nolan to find out that it's actually there, and that when they when they get deep into it, they discover a whole bunch of very scary stuff that that dates back thousands of years and so on. And I kind of wrote that book as 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 a one-off, thinking it would just be fun to play with it, and then found that actually I I really enjoyed the characters and I enjoyed being able to deal with that kind of material, and so I, now I have a, um, a book called The Possession, which is um, again about them investigating a mystery, and and like The Anomaly, it's a it's a real mystery. It's it's the fact that particularly over in the east, but also in California. There are a lot of very anomalous walls, dry stone walls, which have been there for no one's really sure how long. and No one really knows who put them up or why. And so basically Nolan and his team go to investigate these and get wrapped up into a, a, a missing girl case in this Northern California town. And, of course, it turns out that these, these two things are interlinked. So that's, that's the basic outline of the, of the show the series. Nice.
0: Sounds great. Yeah, this uh, is like I right up our it, uh, alley. It is. Are you interested in anomalies
1: in real life? I always have been. Yeah. There's something, and you know, to the point where it always slightly disappoints me if science or somebody comes up and says, "Oh, that's because of such and such." And I, think, I, I don't want to know. I, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's enough facts in the world. You know, what tends to get us out of bed in mm-hmm. the morning, particularly, I think you'll probably agree, as writers, what tends to get us to the to the page is, wouldn't it be weird if? And you don't want someone saying, right. yeah, that's yeah. not true. It's like, I don't care. Wouldn't it be weird and interesting if there were, <laughs> you know, vampires or monsters yeah. or ghosts? You know, don't give me any of your sort of factual nonsense. Because humans have a deep <laughs> desire and a need <laughs> to believe in this stuff which is beyond the normal. And so, you know, that's what we do. And I think, oh, I yeah. genuinely think that, you know, that we perform a public service by giving people these stories and these ideas to think about.
0: Right. True. Right. Now, I'm uh, I'm an old anomaly hunter in California as well. Do uh, you, you go around looking for things now and then, or um, like a little bit? Corporate? I mean, there's, I mean, there's, it, in, you know, California is famously weird, and
1: there's a lot of weird stuff. I mean, you, you, you know, you, I could fill up an entire series looking for things mm-hmm. in California, like you know, strange old sites, or are there really lizard people living beneath Los Angeles? I mean, Los Angeles <laughs> is weird okay. enough without there being <laughs> lizard the people, one. so. You know, it's, it's, but this stuff is all over. It's almost like it kind of seeps out of our minds as much as, you know, being actual yeah. real events. And that's, what's kind of interesting to me. Where you know, a bit yeah, like knowing right. more, it's, if it's true, great. If it's not true, it's still interesting that we want it to be true.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah, I agree. Wow.
2: Right. Well, and I love the, uh, the, the, you have the, it sounds like you're, uh, character is a a skeptic and as soon as you started talking about that I thought of I thought of you Tamar because uh that's that's (laughs) I don't know you're 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 a skeptic and and I and I and I like that because you can't it would be really hard to write a story with someone who you know I don't know I think it's really interesting to watch someone see something that they uh can't explain and and how that affects them and uh that's a that's kind of a regular theme that we have in our stuff that's yeah
0: Well, the good thing is, as a skeptic, I have seen things I can't explain. I just refuse to name what they are because Mm. I don't know what they are. And it's it's wonderful to see things I can't explain away. I love it. Right. Yeah. Have you run into anything weird in real life or
2: I've I've
1: had some sort of difficult to explain, so but what I, I mean what again one of the things that fascinates me about this kind of thing is it's like when someone tells you oh I must tell you about this dream that I had or oh I had this mm-hmm. weird coincidence, and you listen to somebody else's dream and you think oh that's really boring, because for, <laughs> a, for for a dream or a coincidence to really work it has to have firm hooks into that person's mind. And so if they oh, yeah. tell you, oh, I saw my second grade science teacher, and you think, well, you have no connection to that. Whereas for them, that right. has a sort of deep resonance. And seeing your second grade mm-hmm. science teacher dressed as a duck, it means something that has a sort of a big thing. Whereas you just think, okay, well, that's, that sounds weird to stop eating cheese before you go to bed. And it's the same with unless you, unless you understand the dots that connect them. And so, you know, what counts as weird for one person, a sort of an unusual feeling, a slight... You know, perceptive change or something. Yeah. Very often, if you pass that information on to other people, they'll just say, oh, well, it was probably just a breeze or something. So, I, yeah. I think a lot of these things actually do end up being, feeling quite private, and that's that's the problem with them. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you get no proof because they, they're sort of private experiences yeah. but again it's one of those things of just trying to universalize the sense of wonder which you know can be so lacking in, in the world at the moment there's so much detail there's so much information so much you know anger at times but just the sort of sense of being able to sit back and, and have a sense of wonder about about reality about people and so on I think that's you know that's the job of art and it's particularly the job of yeah. the kind of fiction that, that, that we write oh yeah right absolutely
0: absolutely
2: now, uh, okay, so this is this is the anomaly files. That's the series, and the latest book is uh, the possession. First book is the anomaly. Um, is there going to be a third book?
1: I, I'm sure there will be. It's uh, it's actually something I'm starting to think about at the moment. It's um, it's difficult because, and, you know, as you know, part of the fun of, of writing this kind of fiction is the world building. Is saying, okay, here's here's some new people, here's a new place, here's a new tone that I'm going to do. I always enjoy that, and. I've written I think it's about fourteen books, and most of the time i've I've set them with new characters and so forth but with the 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 characters in the anomaly files, you know particularly Nolan but also his sort of friend and sidekick director Ken and the two other people on the team, I just genuinely enjoy spending time with them on the page and i'm you know like a lot of people, you read interviews with the writers and they say, Oh they're like real people to me and you think, well really, or do you just make them up but <laughs> you know, that there's, 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 there's truth in both because actually I know what these people are going to say ahead of time and it's not like I'm making it up. It's like I'm taking dictation and that's kind of fun and I just yes, want to see what right. they're going to do next and, and you know, right. what's going to befall them next. You're know, almost as a spectator as much as a creator. So there will definitely be right. at least one, hopefully a number more anomaly files books. Good, good. <laughs> you
2: know, I... And, I, and I love... I love that you said that. That's, I think it was, I think Mm -hmm. it was Stephen King who said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, and I even could be wrong about who said it, but it's basically the same thing. You, you, uh, you don't create the story. You, you discover it, something like that. And, and that sounds, that sounds a little bit crazy. It really does. Unless you're a writer and you understand that it's like, no, Mm -hmm. we were talking about this just the other day. It's like, if, if I'm writing Mm -hmm. something and it's just, it's, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, and finally you step back and you go, you know what? I'm forcing it. I'm trying to make something happen that yeah. doesn't want to happen. And then, and then yeah. you just no, sit it, back, start over, and let them let the characters do it, and guess what? It works out. It's amazing. It's crazy. I don't get it. Speaking of phenomenon, right? Yeah, it's,
0: it's a very <laughs> the characters process. know that. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: and that's it's, it's right, and often I think what people think of as writer's block is what I have learned over the years, and it may not be the same for everybody, but what I've come to understand about me is that writer's block is generally me getting in the way. It's right. me being writing too much from the mind and not enough from the heart, not enough from the back brain that kind of gets it. Um, yeah, and right. so, actually, just stepping back, it's almost you know, it's almost like like you know, a chef creating a meal, get the best ingredients and then don't mess around with them too much. Let it speak for themselves. And for me, with a right. with a book, it's it's very often the first draft is like going off to a quarry and finding the right bit of stone. Then you drag that back to your studio, and then the edit and second and subsequent drafts are finding the statue within that block of stone. But you don't make and so you do this you do the shaping, but you didn't make the stone. You've got to find the stone. The stone feels like it exists independently of you, and that that's that I think ties in with your, what you said about sort of yeah you're the person who's responsible for kind of putting this into the world, but where it comes from is a is a much shadowier
2: question right right no yeah it's interesting it, yeah. it really is it fascinates it fascinates me to this day over and over i'm I'm reminded mm-hmm. you know how oh you know it it's i don't know where it comes from, it's crazy, I love it though, and I love that you said that. Now you said that you have written about fourteen fourteen books. Um, what was what was your first one, and how did you how did you get into this whole writing thing? <laughs> uh,
1: I got into writing um, actually. I, I, I mean, I, I'd always I I'd always talk, I always you know I read a, a ton as i when I was a kid, which you know a lot of writers do. Um, but wasn't really sure, and I thought I probably wanted to write something, but I wasn't sure what. And then a friend of mine made me read um, the Talisman by, you know, Stephen King and Pretty Straub and I'd never read very read very little horror at that point or what might be called cool horror. And I got to the end of that book and just thought, okay, this is what I want to do. That's this is this is me. This is where I'm going. And so I started writing short stories and publishing short stories, all in that kind of Generally, King S, but also within what was the sort of prevalent vein of English horror at that stage, which is more a kind of tales of unease and weirdness and the uncanny. Um, And so I was kind of on a road doing that and then for no obvious reason wrote a science fiction novel um, (laughs) just from nowhere. Um, and I, like, it was basically, <laughs> because I thought, okay, this is going to be my, this is going to be the the novel that always stays in a drawer trunk. It's never, nothing's ever going to happen. with this. So I'm just going to set myself no limits. I'm just going to make up whatever I want to do it goes nuts as I feel like it. Um, and that book became Only Forward and then, to my surprise, sold. Um, so then I yes. had a kind of, oh. So what am I doing now? What they wanted me to do, of course, was to write something not dissimilar. So I wrote a book called Spares and then a book called One of Us, all of which were in a similar, somewhat zany, futuristic thriller mold, um, which has uh, carried on being a kind of uh, a feature of my so-called career, really, which is a total inability to find a lane and stick to it. So, right. you know, I, I keep on writing, <laughs> writing short stories, I wrote three science fiction novels, then I switched into um, a short series of serial killer novels, um, called mm. The Straw Men, which we're actually about to start developing for TV right now. Then I moved slightly into um, Supernatural. And now with the Michael Rutger novels, they're a kind of uh, adventure thriller, but with, with Supernatural elements. So it's all around the same mm. sort of area. But that's yeah. how I've ended up with multiple names, and I never know where to but find my book on oh, sure. Yeah, but, <laughs>
2: but but that's that's part of that's part of that phenomenon that we were talking about. You know, yeah. it's it's the story that needs to be told. And you know what? I we always say, you yeah. tell the story that needs to be told, and and let the powers that be put them in whatever box they want to put them in. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, the only thing that true. ever concerns me about this is I I wonder you, you have several uh, su- pseudonyms. Do, do do you? I feel like I've worked really hard to to make as to get as much traction as I have with the name that I have do you doesn't it feel isn't it difficult to be like okay now I'm gonna go start over with a different name and in essence a different brand you know start over completely yeah
1: no i mean i absolutely to, to be clear i absolutely cannot and do not recommend this as as, as a as a career decision <laughs>
2: um
1: i mean basically it was uh, yeah don't, don't do this at home is what i'm saying on this uh it was it was it was a it was a publisher advice and decision a long time ago it kind of made sense at the time and i've gone with it it's somewhat of an you know for the for the people who who care about what I do and and want to find it. It's somewhat of an open secret when the possession was, um, uh, was reviewed in Publishers Weekly a couple of months ago, they mistakenly put in Michael Marshall Smith as the author in the thing. So it's a, you know, it's not like there's a completely different brand thing going on here. It's, I mean, you guys know, you know, part of, part of the, you do a huge chunk of the job and then you hand over to other people Editors, um, publicists, marketing people, salespeople, all of which are very real, important jobs. And you place your trust in them to help you make the decisions to try and get it out there because there's no point writing in a vacuum. You need to get it in front of people who you hope will like it. Sometimes the decisions you make to try and promote that wind up being great ones. Sometimes you look back and think, "Mm." yeah. If I had my time again, I might not have done that. But you know what? There's always another book to write, and I'd I prefer to look forward okay. rather than necessarily second-guessing what happened in the past.
2: Right, right. Yeah, That's I always just – whenever somebody has multiple names, I'm just a little like, E But <laughs> mm. <laughs> it just sounds like a lot of work. But um, yeah, you are yeah. having, it sounds like, fantastic luck in Hollywood and with movies and with all kinds of can, – can you talk a little bit about what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I get I, a, a little bit. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a strange world. That whole world. Um, at the moment, um, uh, we're close to closing a deal on TV development for the Strawman novels. Um, myself and a co-writer have written a pilot for that, and we're we're pretty much done on a deal for a backup script and a bible. So that's that's very exciting. We're working with some you know, really really strong producers on that there's a there's a number of other things um sort of rumbling around in the background and i'm also spending at the moment quite a lot of time as a creative consultant for a for a production company who has some very exciting projects which are either already underway or or just about to happen and um it's great because you know writing prose is a lot of the time a very sort of solipsistic solitary existence and it's it's and to be honest i quite like that you know me just sitting at home with a cat in my lap and a cup of coffee that that suits my my personality fine, but it's also really interesting to go out and sort of collaborate with people and you know get other people's take on stuff and just view the creative process from a slightly different angle. So it's 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 exciting from that point of view. Um, and as I say, the straw man, you know, was is, is probably uh, there was a Michael Marshall book. Just I hope you're keeping track of the names here. I just my my long-term goal is to, is to be every writer called Michael um so you know i'm I'm, I'm well on the way well on the way at this point um so yeah it's exciting but i mean you know ultimately i don't know whether it's an age thing or whatever it's not that i'm so very old but really the, the work is what's important getting another book out rather than necessarily thinking okay Hollywood's interested. This, you know, I'll be on a yacht this time next year. I've I've been around this American right. <laughs> enough times to know that that just this is all fine. But what's your next book and what's the one after that? That's that's what we do. That's what gets us up. That's you know that's that's what writers do.
2: Right. You know what? I love that sure. because I love that because it's 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 always been really um, interesting to me how. Many people that that really is the goal is is oh I want mm-hmm. I want them to make a big blockbuster movie out of my books and I got to be honest mm-hmm. and I said this to Tamara from the beginning I I don't care I I mean yeah great I'm not I'm not against it but that's not why I do mm-hmm. it and I love to hear that from somebody who's having that happen to them saying eh, it's great but it's not why I do it that's great I love that
1: yeah I mean it's you know it's obviously yes, yes. helpful from a sort of marketing point of view. It may help you sell more books and it may involve you being given a lump of money and who you know nobody hates been given a lump of money but ultimately, I think books tend to have a much longer I understand obvious shelf life because you know you yes. go out there and it doesn't matter how how big a show it is um next year, pretty much everybody will have forgotten about it um yeah. whereas if you've got a, a you know a couple of feet of books on shelves, people have those in their homes. They're part of their everyday lives. They will walk past them. They'll think, you know, I might give that another reread. Or, okay, what's that person done recently? I think there's a, an integration into people's lives that happen with books that just isn't quite the same as the slightly passing nature of, of film and TV. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a different set of media, and amazing stuff is done in it. But it will never, for me, be more important than, than books.
2: I agree. Right. That's exactly how I feel. I agree 100%. That's fun. I love hearing that. That's great. Now I hope that you will come back when you have um, something new to report. We'd love to have you back on anytime.
1: Absolutely, love to.
2: Yeah, absolutely oh, for real. Yeah. Now before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and what you do? Where are the places they go to visit to learn more?
1: Yes, it's pretty simple. I have um, uh, a website, and I had to pick the one name which has most of the names in it. So, it is <laughs> www.michaelmarshallsmith.com, um, and from there you, there, well, there are links to the various subwriters. Like there's also com, but basically michaelmarshallsmith.com is is the central point from other from which other things come. And basically, there's links to everything on there, so that's that's your first point of contact for all, all sorts of information, really.
2: <laughs> all right, perfect. All right, and I mean it. I'm serious. We'd love to have you back. Keep in touch. I'd mm-hmm.
1: love, I'd, I'd love to come back. It was great talking to you both, and, and thanks very much. Yeah,
2: yep. You too. Okay. All right, happy writing, and thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you, Michael, for being on, and until next week, we wish you haunted nights
0: and sweet screams.
2: Thank you for listening.